I'm Monica Perez here today with returning guest Brian Festa, co-founder and vice president of We the Patriots USA, whose tagline is, when you stand up to tyrants, we stand up for you. Our other guest today is someone who is standing up to tyrants and alongside and for whom Brian and his organization are also standing up. It is Ashley Tipton, who is suing an Idaho preschool for denying her small child a religious exemption to being vaccinated. So we are going to get the whole story from these guys right here, right now. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Hi. Monica. Great to be here. (laughs) So... Brian, um, my listeners know you. They know you from this show, from the Union of the Unwanted, from all the great work you do, the lawsuits you file. You know how I feel like the we still have process and we need to use it or lose it. And it's also a way that we can actually bring facts to the surface, force people out into the open. Sometimes uh, the defendants will settle ahead of time, which is, doesn't necessarily give you a precedent, but it does kind of force the issue and in itself is maybe an example for people. Uh, so I want to get into all the nuances. Maybe we can catch up on some other things that have been happening with you if you want to catch us up on old ones. And then I also want either you or Ashley to just tell us that whole story from start to finish, what this lawsuit is about. And I don't know who wants to if, go first. If you don't mind, Ashley, I'll start. Okay. And I just want to say, um, you, you said there, you said something there that I just want to respond to. That's why I want to start. I'll let Ashley tell her personal story, of course, because it involves her child. So I'm not going to get into that. But I do want to uh, just briefly touch on something you just said about, you know, sometimes we get settlements and that doesn't really set a legal precedent. And technically, of course, as you know, Monica, that is correct, technically, that it doesn't set a legal precedent that's in case law that has to be followed by other courts, right? Um, or by attorneys when they're arguing, right? Um, True. However, there's a huge, in my mind, in my opinion anyway, there's a huge precedential value even when you do get a private settlement, especially if it's a substantial settlement. Because guess what? These companies talk to each other. Word gets around. We had to settle with Ashley Tipton for X amount of dollars. We shouldn't be denying these religious exemptions, okay? Word gets around, and especially with a company like this, uh, the name of the company that we're suing in this case is New Horizon uh, Academy, New Horizon Daycare. Um, they're a conglomerate. As far as uh, I understand, they have, uh, I, I know for a fact that they, maybe conglomerate is not the right word, but they have several different locations in different states. They're based out of Minnesota. They're not an Idaho company. So, you know, they have daycares all over the place. So this is going to affect more than just this one daycare in Meridian, Idaho. Um, so, so this is why it's so, so important to bring cases like this and especially the fact that something like this is happening. And I'm just going to briefly explain what it is and let Ashley give all the details, but basically her child, her toddler was not religious exemption. Hold on. Yes. I just, uh, wanted to point out that since we're on that topic, that really I've always liked the whole tort system. Some people like these settlements are outrageous, blah, blah, blah. But I was mentioning to Ashley before we started that I once was involved in a lawsuit. It wasn't public. It was not a big deal. It did get settled, but it was a truly awful experience. It was terrible. It was just, I hated it. Um, I, it was just emotionally unpleasant. It was like a lot of time. And, uh, the reason that settlements are can be outsized like that is that you really have to motivate people to rather than have statutory laws and go around and enforce everything preemptively and all of that it's a good system to 
to um, have one-on-one, case-by-case, actual things that happen without a priori restraining everyone from everything they do, but to have individuals fight those battles, they need to be motivated. And since you're probably, not you, but uh, generally speaking, a lawyer will tell you, you're, you know, you're not guaranteed to win this thing, so you have to be motivated by something a little bit outside. So even if it is settled, not only does it serve as a cautionary tale to malfeasance in companies, but it serves as a reinforcement for people who really believe they are wronged, that it is worth the absolute brain damage of doing, uh, of going through this process. Well, right. Because what's the alternative, right? The alternative is doing nothing, letting them walk all over you and getting no restitution. So yes, that saves you the time and the stress of going through a lawsuit, but then you have to live with that the rest of your lives and your, uh, your life, and and then and then you also have to live with the regret of not bringing it because you could have stopped it from happening to other people. Because then you you, you know you have to look at yourself in the mirror every day. Um, and for some of us, that's already more of a scary proposition than it is for others. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we are all. Although I love the beard, I Thank think you, you look great, Brian. But I, but it is it is true that you. I mean, I think everybody here and most of the people listening are much much more interested in kind of, you know, saving the world. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's yeah. what we're doing. I mean, we're looking at our kids and we're thinking we have a responsibility to them to try to make sure that we don't just let it all go. And that is a big, a big, that is a big motivating factor, but not everybody's right. motivated Right, so why don't we that. let Ashley just tell her story and then I can get into, after she's explained everything that happened to her, I'll then explain the legal value of why we took on this case at what, against one daycare in Meridian, Idaho. Great. Okay, Ashley, go for it. Thanks for being here, by the way. I really appreciate your time. I know it's a holiday. We forgot about that and that you do have a toddler well, running around. Thank you so much for having us. Um, am I unmuted? <clears throat> um, okay, so thank you so much for having us. I do have a toddler running around. Um, a blessing. Um, so the story is that she was in daycare. She started in daycare at about four or five months old. So she'd grown up in this daycare. And one day the director approached me and said, you need to get Chloe caught up on her vaccinations, which caught me off guard because it was weird that they had information about her, more information than I was keeping up with. Um, So that surprised me a bit that they put them into a system and start tracking immediately right from the hospital. I guess you can opt out of that system. But I wasn't aware, you know, I think there's a lot of moms out there that just kind of go through the norms and follow the course that's suggested and don't really have the chance to make an informed decision, which is kind of why I'm here. Um, So she approached me one day and said, you need to get Chloe caught up on her vaccinations. And I had been putting them off somewhat voluntarily, somewhat involuntarily because of the doctor's offices being closed for COVID. And then with, with the whole COVID thing, it really made me start to do my own research and, you know, figure out what's in these vaccinations. Um, are they really needed? What's, you know, wh- what's the whole deal with the religious obligation or the religious um, I- exemption? Because I am Christian. Um, but they don't really teach you a- about the vaccinations and why it goes against it until you start to get into it. Um, anyways, I'll try to fast forward. Um so she gave me, I think it was 30 days. And when you talk about the stress of a lawsuit, Monica, that's where my stress came in because 
I was so conflicted about what to do. Um, and I, I, I could not just schedule an appointment and have her vaccinated, but I'm also a full-time working mom and I can't have her without care. And during that period of time, um, I would look at her pictures and I would see, you know, just her smiling to, to those that are parents. You think you can all relate. I would look at her pictures throughout the day and she was happy and I just had this like like this awful feeling inside like I cannot like this is not what I'm going to do what what am I going to do um yeah so I so when when was this what month and year yeah, was this um October 17th I think is the date that I was first approached by her just 2022 or 2021 Oh, wow. Okay. So, and, and was your daughter what they call like fully vaccinated on the vaccination schedule or had you never had her have any she vaccinations? She had been vaccinated. Um, she, For like the m- mumps and the stuff that people don't even think twice about it generally? It was the one or, that she got in the hospital when she was a baby. Probably not. Yes. For hepatitis in case she becomes a junkie. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's hep A that they get when they're the baby. Yeah. Um, and then she did have, um, oh my gosh, I should have these memorized, but it's been a while since I looked at the paperwork. Um, she did not have MMR, which is one of the ones that they were concerned about. Um, and she did not have Hep B, which is another one that was on the list. And then the third one was um, not the flu vaccine, but something yeah. really. There's a diphtheria like, one, whatever, yeah. but... Um, so you had already had concerns about vaccinating your baby basically prior to the COVID. Well, thing. yeah. So so when she was born, right. I was just following the normal that the doctors tell you to do, right? Which is And what year um, was she 2021, born? Twenty one. January twelfth. Oh, so she's she a baby. Just, they wanted to give her a COVID vaccine last year? Was it no, COVID? No, it wasn't COVID. Or not? It was the normal vaccinations got it okay so so when they they approached me with this i went into the doctor i scheduled um an appointment with her pediatrician and i asked for the vaccine inserts because i wanted to do my own research not just what people are telling me because as a mom like your job is to protect the health and well-being and happiness of your child and there's so much conflicting information i just had to go straight for the source and the crazy thing is they gave me the the inserts um, there's no ingredients on there. There's all kinds of risks mentioned. Um, you know, all of the risks that are just normal kid stuff like ear infections and asthma and all of the minor stuff that you, you know, think is just because your child is young. Um, anyways, I continued down this path and and found the real ingredients of the vaccines and the aborted fetal tissue and DNA, somebody else's DNA that they're injecting into my child. And that whole period, Monica, was so stressful. My face swole up. Brian saw it. My oh eyes were puffed. I did every lab test possible. There was absolutely no explanation for it. Um, I looked like a chipmunk for straight six weeks. I mean, it was super stressful. So I eventually, um, I, I went online and found that in Idaho, you can file an exemption for medical, religious, or other reasons. I signed it, put it on her desk, and she said, no, thank you. 
we don't accept this. We're a private organization. That's the loophole. That's how we get away from this. Can I just, I do want to talk about that particular thing later, Brian, but um, can you, and I think Brian has answered this before, but I need it reiterated. Can you just say, because this is what I did for my son, it is, I consider the health risk to him of getting, in my case, it was the COVID vaccine, so great that it is unconscionable to me. Like, I will not do it. I'm not even going to go to a doctor. I'm not going to try to get a medical exemption. There is nothing that is going to make me comfortable giving this kid that vaccine, given the risk of getting it versus the risk of not getting it. And to me, that's, I mean, that's a question of conscience. Brian, would that work? It did work for us because they did not ask for grounds. You basically just had to check a box. It would work. It should work in a state like Idaho that allows personal belief exemptions. Um, That's what I wanted to get into about why this is so important for this to happen, uh, for us to file this in Idaho, because if this is allowed to stand in Idaho, then basically exemptions are useless. I don't care if you live in Tennessee or Florida or South Carolina or Texas, you might as well not have an exemption. If, if the courts are going to just stand by or if citizens, parents are just going to stand by and allow schools, child care centers everywhere to just basically ignore the exemption laws that are on the books, then it's as good as not even having exemptions in your state. So that's why this is so important. It's happening right. in a state that has arguably the strongest uh, exemption laws in the nation. I just want to read to you exactly what it says in the Idaho statute. So. Okay, you can. And then I just want Ashley to go and finish Um, her thing. But go ahead. Tell us that. So this is what she's facing. So this is in the Idaho, uh, in the Idaho statutes. Okay. Section 39-1118. Within 14 days of a child's initial attendance at any licensed daycare facility, the parent or guardian shall provide an immunization record to the operator of the daycare facility regarding the child's immunity to certain childhood diseases. And then it goes on to list, you know, exactly what um, uh, immunizations, as they call them, are required for the daycare. But then it says any minor child whose parent or guardian has submitted a signed statement to officials of the daycare facility stating their objections on religious or other grounds shall be exempt. from the provisions of this section. So it very clearly states, it doesn't even say personal belief. It goes even broader. It says any other grounds. You could say, just because I don't feel like it, just because I don't like the word vaccine. Yeah, I think they call it like a declination And said, nope, because we're a private company, we can do business the way that we want to. Basically, because they're from Minnesota, apparently, at least it seems to me, they think they can do business in Idaho the same way they do it in Minnesota, which, as you know, are two very, very different states, but that's not how the law works. Right. Okay, Ashley. So that's where you were. So you submitted your declination or statement of religious objection, and they said no because right. We're private. And so that's when I read the law that Brian just read, and I'm not an attorney. I'm there's you know people that are way better at that than I, but it seemed clear as day to me. So I started reaching out to attorneys you know, by the grace of God found Brian and he said, no, what you're reading is the way that I would interpret it too. Um, and, and so what happened after that? Um, I, I stood my ground and by, and by this time, Monica, I was a firm and I am now firm. I am never getting my daughter vaccinated. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I can understand I'm that. I'm so thankful that this opportunity, I mean, you know, the, the silver lining is that I learned a lot of information that's not readily available to parents that should be out there because we are not able yeah. to make an informed decision and we get bullied into doing these things even though the law should be protecting us. There's an organization, uh, I, I, I trust, Brian, that you um, are familiar with it called Learn the Risk, you know, Brandy Vaughn and all that. Yes. So so I've talked to Tina Marie a couple of times who kind of tried to and is carrying on the work of Brandy Vaughn who died, I would say, under suspicious circumstances, in my opinion. And, uh, and Tina and Brandy... They say that even a lot of the anti-vaccine or vaccine awareness, you know, the objectors, they don't actually point out the risks. They talk about choice. They talk about freedom. But that what Brandy was doing was saying, look, it's you want to see the ingredients. You want to understand the risk. Like people aren't really engaging in informed consent because they don't have the information. And that's just taking it to another level, which is totally reasonable to do. But some some people don't even won't even go so far as to assert that that that's an important thing. So I I respect you. Yeah. So then they they kept pushing after that. It was weird because she asked me a couple of times. Um know, are you going to get her vaccinated? And I, I came back and said, I thought I had until, you know, the 11th to decide. And then it got extended until the 30th. And they kept asking, you know, when are, when are you going to get this done? And it's like, why are you like, I felt like they were like pressuring me into doing it. And yeah, why do they care? I don't know. And I, I think there's something to that, Monica. I think there's something to that. Um, I don't have proof of that, but, you know, um, who knows who's connected to the owners of the bigger corporation? I would, I would wonder. wonder if they received some sort of state funding for. Oh yeah. Okay, so why not just switch to the daycare across the street? It's in Idaho. Surely all the other daycares are following Idaho law to the letter. Yeah. So first of all, there are a lot of people that have moved here um, <laughs> from other states. Get oh gosh. Sorry, on so behalf he, of my newfound home, lists, LA. Right. There's long waiting lists. I did call Got it. Yes. trying to get in to another one and and couldn't. You know, this took a ton of time and research trying Got to figure it. out what am I gonna do? Where am I gonna go? How long is she gonna get in? And we couldn't get into another daycare facility right away. It took months and it interrupted her routine, her training. It took her away from friendships. She still talks about her favorite teacher to this day. And Aww. ironically, there were a lot of other daycares that were saying the same thing. So that's right. kind of where, like, I, you know, want to take a stand. This should not have happened to my daughter. This should not happen to any parent. This should not continue to happen. And if our laws are not upheld, then what else is going to come upon us that takes away our right to be a parent, our right to medical decisions? Um, so on and so forth. And I just think it's wrong. And I don't want anybody to go through that. And, you know, this is why we have courts, right? We have courts to give us redress when laws aren't being um, followed, when the laws aren't aren't being adhered to. We need someone to enforce the laws. Um, and obviously this isn't a, uh, should be, but it isn't a criminal matter. 
Um, so we need to take it <laughs> to the courts in the form of a lawsuit, right? We can't, the, the police aren't going to do anything because this hasn't, this isn't a violation of the penal code. However, um, it certainly is a violation of Idaho uh, statutes, and, and it's very, very clear that uh, they're just turning a blind eye to it, willful, willfully being uh, just uh, disobedient to the statute. And it's not just this daycare, because Ashley even said other daycares are doing this too. So apparently they've all learned that they can, they think they can get away with it, but not if we have anything to do with it. So uh, I do always bring this up with you, and I think it's important for because it's something that it takes a lot for me to get my kind of heart around, and a lot of libertarians are like this. I want to accept the explanation that they are private and they should have absolute private property rights, which I am a proponent of. But I will point out, I have an expression, which I've probably told you before, Brian, that libertarians die by the sword, but they don't live by it. So we are living in a world where there are licenses. My guess is you cannot open a daycare, especially if you're from out of state, without a license of sure. some kind. Now, that license isn't really a burden on the daycare provider, anyone with any kind of capital at all, it's a benefit to them because they can, because what, what we could do is uh, open the Ashley Bryan daycare where anything goes in your, you know, you could do it in your basement, <laughs> chain the kids to the wall. They have license, which you wouldn't, but I mean, they have licensing requirements and then they also have other benefits. So the licensing actually benefits the corporation because they can charge more because there's less competition, but there are also subsidies, laws, regulations and stuff that, that they also benefit from. So if it's impossible as a libertarian to say, okay, well, I'm going to respect your right to do whatever you want want, and you are going to exploit the system to suppress competition and accept subsidies while not defending my, re respecting my but basic rights. you know what? What you said, I mean, I know you were saying it jokingly about chaining the kids to the wall, but that's exactly why we do need some sort of regulation of private businesses. Because as much as I have a libertarian spirit with regard to some things, most things maybe, not all things, uh, there also has to be reasonable limits because you're just, okay, you're going to say... You can abuse children in the daycare. That's okay because no. you're a private business. There, where do we draw the line? That's a great point, and I do want to counter that in that if we weren't used to having the government be in charge of all of this stuff, and I'm not just spouting the libertarian line, it's true. Like we all trust, like Ashley was saying, we trust the system, we trust the hospitals, we trust the doctors, we trust the regulations. If you didn't, if you didn't have truth in advertising laws, you would actually vet the truth. So you would go to the daycare center. In this day and age, you would probably require that they had a camera you could access. Like you wouldn't need the licensure because you would be enforcing that stuff yourself. And actually that, in my opinion, would be superior because people would be more educated. I'm not, I don't want to argue that quibbling, but I'm just saying, I, I understand what you're saying. And I do think that there is a libertarian solution, but that is not the world we are living in. And if they're going, if we're going to have this structure, I feel like we have to be able to carve out these life, potentially life altering, life ending um, safeties, protections that are pursuant to our actual inherent right. Right. But I mean, again, to me, the libertarian spirit in me dies the second it's t you're talking about willfully uh, inflicting harm on children and 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 also on even on anyone else, on adults. These 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 shot mandates 
that we had the last three years or two years, whatever it was when the, when the shot actually came out, um, you had employers forcing people to choose between supporting their families and getting poisoned. Um, and you would say, well, that's yeah, okay. They can do that. Yeah. But I would say, no, there's, there's a certain level. Listen, right. Monica, I know, you, I, I, I know you may disagree with me, but to me, there's a certain level of human rights that have to be respected by all of us. And if people aren't going to do it, then we do need an enforcer. And if the enforcer is not going to be the community. Okay. Especially I, I do bring yeah. dead people around us. We don't have a community of yeah. patriots. That's the problem. The community of patriots compared to the community of zombies is like, you know, one patriot for every for every 50 or 100 zombies. So, it, it, you know, if I, we had I a do, true American yeah. patriot community, then I would have faith in that kind of a system. But we don't. I agree with you. And I, I agree with you in many, many ways. But the human rights and the basic human rights, the fact that we should have a community where, yes, if you want to say that government is completely minarchist and laissez-faire, yes, that works because without a safety net, people are highly assertive about watching their own rights. It's a different world that we're talking about. And I am beginning to come around from my libertarianism and say, you know, there was a time when we expected our government to be on our side and not totally against us. And then, so it's a pathocracy now. And then there's also the element of, yes, there were employers who would say that, but I've seen that stuff firsthand. And I've seen that there are outside forces, political forces that threaten or coerce or even just influence some of the decision makers at those companies, that they would be canceled, they would be protested against, there would be a lot. So, so I don't even think that those are private companies making decisions based on their own principles. I believe that they're being coerced by, by extrajudicial or like extra-governmental, but still very powerful but globalist organizations like the World Health Organization. Stuff that, that, so we're way beyond the ideologies that we're going back and forth here. So I do support what you're doing, but I think it is important to get out there that we have principles that are, that are liberty-oriented, justice-oriented, um, truth-oriented in every respect of that word. So, uh, yes, so, yes, it was a private company, and we, uh, you, that doesn't give them the right, that's the principle that we're working off of here, to deny you your right to health freedom. And they really had you over a barrel because there was a shortage, again, that was prompted by policies in California that chased people into your, your, part of the world and disrupted your ecosystem as they like to say. Yeah. And I think just to summarize, you know, everything that you guys have been saying for me, we were founded on God and the promises of God. And we have a God given right to protect our children and make informed decisions with them. And that to me is number one. And when anything else starts to take that away, I feel like that is not um, you know, the, anything else should fall to the side. Like we have our God God given rights, and that is the end all be all. And it's a responsibility too when you're talking about your kids. Like that's the thing you have that responsibility, and that was the basis of my my request for exemption. Okay, so where are we? What's next? Well, we filed a lawsuit. Um, in the uh, 4th Judicial District of Idaho in Ada County, which, um, yes, is known as the more, as the, as the one county that's, that's very, very liberal because it's, you know, Boise 
Uh, so, so we know we, we do consider, um, you know, that area, uh, you know, Boise and even, you know, Meridian, Ada County to be, you know, much more, uh, liberal than the rest of the state. Uh, if you go to other parts of the state, uh, in general, it's going to be, you're very solidly conservative. Um, so we, we did file an action there. Um, and that was just about, what was it actually about two weeks ago now, two or three weeks ago. It's, I think it's two. Yeah. About two weeks ago we filed that. So nothing has happened yet. They have, uh, they have to reply with their answer, which I don't, uh, as last check, they have not filed that yet, but they have a, a deadline to file their answer. And then once their answer is in, uh, then there'll be a, a briefing schedule and a hearing scheduled. Uh, obviously dispositive motions, which are things like motion, a motion to dismiss or motion for summary judgment would be filed by the defendant. Uh, that, that happens in every single case. So that's not like something to be alarmed about. And you see a motion to dismiss has been filed. That's, you know, if lawyers don't file motions to dismiss for their client, that's a, that's the malpractice actually. Um, so you have to file motions to dismiss as, as a matter of law, as a matter of uh, good legal practice. Um, and, and then. Uh, we'll have an argument. We'll file a reply brief saying why it shouldn't be dismissed. Okay. And then they have an opportunity to reply to the reply. And then we argue about it in court through oral arguments. Uh, we have an excellent local counsel, Colton Boyles, who's really the only attorney that I know of in Idaho, uh, who in our entire state, and he lives way up in Sandpoint, which is about seven hours from Boise. Uh, but but he is the only attorney I know of in the state that consistently was standing up against all of the COVID mandates, the lockdown, the mass mandate. Uh, anyone who's anyone in Idaho knows him. His name repeatedly kept coming up. So we we're very lucky to have him on our team. Dr. Ryan Cole, for instance, when I asked him, who do you know of? Who's a good attorney in Idaho? This is the only name I know of is Colton Boyles. And he kept coming on uh, up again and again. So Don and I actually got to have lunch with him about a week ago, just over a week ago. Um, and it, cause he was down here doing some, some meeting, he had some meetings and some work, uh, to do, uh, down in Boise. So we actually met him in Boise, uh, and, and that we made a great connection and he's going to continue to work with us, with our organization as our local council. Wow. So we're, we're very excited to have him join our team of our network of attorneys. Um, and, and we have attorneys in a lot of different states now. And anybody who's listening to this who might be an attorney or might know a freedom fighting attorney that wants to join our, our network of Patriot attorneys, please uh, contact me. Uh, you can reach out to me directly at brian at we the Patriots USA.org, or you can just send an email to info at we the Patriots USA.org. And my name is B R I A N, just so you know, uh, if you're listening, Brian B R I A N at we the Patriots USA.org. And please check out our website too everybody to support Ashley and other litigation like it because we do re rely exclusively on donations from the public to fund this litigation and all of our operations so please please prayerfully consider a donation to our organization at we the patriots usa.org so I do a um I, I have conversations with Anthony Raimondo who was in Fresno I don't know if you know him but he uh, I think for I, my understanding is, and I've talked to him a few times, I've done shows with him a couple of times. He's now, I think he's moving to Oregon and he was, did a lot of labor law and stuff. But when they were closing down restaurants in Fresno, they, I guess the courts were closed and they were all entitled to a hearing. So all he would do, anybody who was shut down, he would just file a, a request for a hearing. And because they couldn't grant it, 
Well, anybody who really went to him could stay open and did stay open. He didn't charge anybody. I just I have a lot of respect for him, so I'm going to hit him up to to communicate Absolutely. with you. Absolutely, like he's. To talk I think to him. he's licensed. Sounds familiar, in, but I haven't actually spoken to him. Anthony Raimondo. Oh yeah, he's he is super courageous. Like he just man, he does not pull any punches. But Ashley, I was wondering, how did you come upon Brian's name? Did you find Colton first, or how did you actually discover? It? Did somebody tell you? Did you Google it? Yeah, I actually made a lot of phone calls, and like Brian said, there weren't many that were either licensed in this state or um, interested in this particular topic. Um, we the Patriots' name is out there. Anybody can find it. They're not only doing um, things in Idaho, but they're, you know, a national organization. You can find them in a lot of different areas. Okay. So what's, so what was their reaction? Like, why are they fighting? Why don't they are putting their foot down to, so your daughter's not at their well, school. She got kicked right? out on November 30th. Um, they asked me if I wanted to get her vaccinated or, um, disenroll her. And I said, I didn't want to do either one. And I didn't think Right. Good. And so they told us that her last day would be on November 30th. So um, it took a couple months to get her into a different school. Um, I was finally able to do that. Um, had to keep her at home and try to work remotely and try parents right. where, you know, parents and family can help. Um, but yeah, she's uh, she's in a different school now. She's still my and and the and this organization so it's it's in Minnesota and you have you file though only in Idaho right Brian or are you actually suing them at their headquarters as well you can't no that, so can we filed uh we served them their agent for a process anywhere their agent is so I do believe there was service there as well we served them in Idaho because we also named the um and again, I wasn't involved in the service of process. You're asking me a technical question because Colton was the one that actually was responsible. Oh, yeah. Colton no, was, I mean, Colton was the one that I actually just was wonder. responsible for doing that because he's the one we hired as our local counsel. Um, I am not personally at this juncture in time licensed in Idaho. I'm, a, I'm licensed in the state of Connecticut to practice law. Right. And I'm going to maintain that license, even though I don't live there anymore. Um, but um, I am, you know, planning on eventually, you know, getting getting licensed here, too. But um, I'm not so I'm not actively representing clients here. But Colton is our local counsel, who is, of course, licensed in Idaho. So he's representing um, Ashley in this case. But, um, you know, they were actually the individual daycare um, manager of that site was also served locally here in Idaho because we named her. I'm not going to say her name. You can see it in the filings if you want to. But we named her as a defendant individually because in the statutes, it does clearly say that anyone who discriminates wow. in a place of public accommodation um, an individual can be held liable for discrimination. So this is another warning to everybody out there. All right. If you are enforcing an illegal and unjust policy, you personally could find yourself in court being sued. So don't think that, oh, you're protected just because you have the company and you work for the company and the company will take care of you. And, uh, you know, any liability, any lawsuits will just be filed against the company and you're scot-free. Uh, you, you can, you can just, you can just, you know, get a pass here because you're just an employee. No, you can be sued individually in your individual capacity as well. So think long and hard. When you look at the law and you have a parent coming to you and saying, look, what you're doing violates the law. And then you have their attorney come to you and say, what you're doing violates the law. Think long and hard before you're going to decide to listen to your employer 
or listen to that parent because what's more important to you? Um, and I know she was just, she's going to say she was just doing her job, but if the law says the parents are entitled to have, they shall be granted an exemption and you're saying no, you're just, you're making a conscious decision then to disobey state law. You better think about that before you do that. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I really do want individuals to be held accountable. It's just getting ridiculous. I was doing a deep dive into this derailment in Ohio, and I I couldn't find the people who were responsible for deciding to light that stuff on fire. Like they should be held responsible for that individually and see what went into that decision, if it was within their authority to do it. And even the press, which is supposed to be there to expose these things, actually, you know, it facilitates completely covering it up. So, okay. So what, what else did you, I mean, is that all you have right now on this? And maybe we come back and get an update. Did you get any responses? Well, yeah, I know you're not the actual lawyer, but I don't want to miss anything. I know both of you have kids running around, so I don't want to keep you either. <laughs> well, but you tell me what you want to cover. Mine and I'll, are mostly I'll being occupied right now by my wife. But um, okay. yeah, it's 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 um, listen, you know, we will definitely give you updates. Obviously, litigation, the wheels of justice move slowly, as you know. Um, things don't happen overnight. It's only filed a couple of weeks ago, so this is still like breaking news, right? Um, so we'll definitely keep you updated. But we also have litigation related to this, as you know, in um, Connecticut. We have two, uh, both a state and a federal lawsuit uh, against the state of Connecticut for repealing its religious exemption. In April of 2021, they repealed their religious exemption. Within two days of Governor Lamont signing that into law, we immediately filed a fed our federal lawsuit, which is now at the second circuit. We argued that back in October. We don't have a decision yet, but there, you know, it's not it's not unusual to have to be waiting six months to a year to get a decision from the second circuit. So um, people keep asking about updates on that case, but we are fighting for exemptions in all states. Any state they're taking away, uh, you know, we are we are going to stand to defend you in any way that we possibly can. Obviously, you know, I don't want to keep talking about money, but it is dependent on funding, and I know that, you know, these are tough times. Listen, it's tough times for me too. They're tough times for our organization, even from a fundraising standpoint, because people just can't give like they used to. And I get it. But by the same token, if we don't fight back now, when the world's in a state of crisis, the way it is, when our freedoms are under attack, like they never have been before in our lifetimes anyway, um, if we're not going to take a stand now, then when are we going to take a stand? Are we going to wait until they're, the Gestapo is kicking in our door and forcing a needle into our arm? Is that when you're going to say, oh, I'll make a donation just to try to fight back? It's too late then. At that point, we're all dead. So um, we're either going to stand and fight now or we're not going to fight at all. Yeah. Now you also, go ahead, Ashley. No, I was just going to say, I agree with that 100%. And I really appreciate We the Patriots and how they're whacking people like me and others over, you know, related items. Um, it's not easy to, um, I, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do this on my own. And I was passionate about preventing other people from having to go through this and also from continuing to become more and more, um, tyrannical in all ways. Well, and I know that it isn't just the vaccine stuff that you've been doing. You do, I think you've had some dust ups with the public schools with, critical race theory or transgender teaching the kids yep. that stuff. Do you want to give us any updates sure. on that? So we have a lawsuit in Guilford, Connecticut that um, is still, you know, in process. We're waiting for our next, you know, our real hearing date to, to, to discuss, you know, our, 
um, actual complaint and the and the motions to dismiss. Um, that is against the town of Guilford, Connecticut. Um, and they were, you know, I think I talked to you about this in our last interview, actually, but they were pushing critical race theory uh, in the school system. And some parents fought back and were harassed and retaliated against, particularly the children were retaliated against in some really gruesome ways. You can read the complaint, go on our website and just do a search. We have a search bar on our website. You can search for Guilford, G-U-I-L-F-O-R-D, or even critical race theory. If you search for that, it'll come up with a lawsuit and there'll be a link to the complaint that we filed. So you can actually read the filing. Um, so that lawsuit is still ongoing. And then also um, transgender curriculum right here in Idaho. So in Caldwell, Idaho, which is in Canyon County, which is one of the most conservative counties in the state, um, they, they were trying to push through a policy that would require not only allow the use of you know bathrooms and locker rooms by the opposite sex, but would force st staff and students to use what they call gender affirming language, gender preferred pronouns, even if it's going against their religious beliefs. It was going to universally affirm it. The legislature got involved. I actually spoke out, um, you know, as you know, because our business is based here in Caldwell. I actually spoke out at the school board meeting twice against it. Uh, just most recently, uh, last Monday, about a week ago, um, you know, just at, well at the beginning, you know, towards the beginning of February, I should say. Um, and and uh, they they put it on pause. Now it's on a pause because the legislature is getting involved to draft a bill to make it illegal basically for them to do that. But uh, that's the difference. See, in a state like Idaho, when I was in Connecticut, uh, you would have everybody in favor, most people in favor of this. You'd be lucky to get a couple dozen people to show up at a school board meeting. And then um, you wouldn't have legislators, you know, coming out drafting a bill and have and have it actually pass. Like we have majority, um, you know, Republican legislature here who are on board with, with this bill to try to get this passed to make it against the law for them to do this in Idaho. Whereas it's the opposite in the state like Connecticut. And also our attorney general, I just want to give a shout out to Raul Labrador, who is a great, great patriot, great attorney general. And he tweeted about it and said what Caldwell is doing is unconstitutional. It's illegal. His office is going to fight it. Whereas William Tong in Connecticut, forget about it. I mean, he would be the one pushing the transgender policy. He's totally in support of all of that. So it's just night and day from Connecticut to Idaho in that respect. So that even when they do try this crap in the public schools, because of course they do, even in red states, you're going to get them try to push this. The public schools are taken over by these far left, you know, ide ideologues who are pushing this agenda on our children in all states, in all 50 states. You're going to get it anywhere. But at least in a state like Idaho, you have the majority of the legislature and the attorney general fighting it back against it. Yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of work lately on or trying to get to the bottom of there were a lot of uh, a lot of successful movements against Agenda 21 from the time it really started unrolling in 2010, 2011, 2012, till Trump got elected. So I everything I find, all these organizations, they would people would coordinate to go to City Hall and they would get Republicans to write legislation against it, to stop it, to put the brakes on. And then I think people felt like Trump was going to solve all the problems. And really, there's just every article, every movement just completely stopped in 2016. But they people were successful, especially in places like that. And I would I know that you have your hands full, Brian, and your organization with all the things that we we're talking about now. But I would love to see some kind of renewal of that 
um, initiative to get ICLE and all those, um, you know, they're trying to change property rights. They're trying to change land use laws. They're trying to regionalize things. They're trying to get laws that, that, um, span multiple jurisdictions so that you really don't know one city council or whatever that you could go to would have the power to stop it. And if there's any, any tips you want to give me or any, any place to start or any, um, uh, synergy that, you know, that kind of property owners yeah. groups would be helpful. Property owners need to come Anything. together. And if your rights are being infringed on like this, if you have, uh, if, if you're being harmed in any way, whether you're a, re a residential property owner, commercial property owner, a farmer, especially these independent farmers, we want to stand up for them. That's part of our mission. You go on our website. We Oh, it is? Yes, oh, absolutely. Okay. Land rights, water rights, independent farming. Oh, you're the guy. How did I not know this, Brian? 100%. How could I not know this? Defending those people. The old, Monica, we'll do it all as long as we get funding. <laughs> it's, there's, no, I hear you. And there, yes. There's no question that we will take a case like that if we have the adequate funding. The problem for us right now is unfortunately we do have to turn away more people than we can help because I'm looking at our, our, our bank accounts, I'm looking at our bank rolls and saying we have X amount of dollars, but we have Y amount of people, which is way more that are yeah. banging down our doors asking us to file lawsuits for them. I can only do as much as we have funding for. Now, credit, we do have some pro bono work attorneys in our network who will take cases right. here and there pro bono, but they can't take a, a hundred cases pro bono. You know what I mean? They've, they've got to they've got to make the living right, somehow. Right, right. So we do need funding, and and we will help people out in any way that we can. If we get that, just go to wethepatriotsusa.org. Um, you know, unfortunately, time's running short for me today, so I'm going to have to to wrap it up in a minute. But I, I, I want to just thank you, Monica, so much for allowing me to come back. I know you don't like to have a lot of repeat guests over and over and over again, but you've invited me back. Well, you're special. You've invited me back. I know. <laughs> I feel special. You've invited me back a few times now, and I, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank your listeners enough for being supportive. They have reached out to us. They have donated in the past and we prayerfully ask that you continue to do that and just god bless you for continuing to speak truth okay well this is really great i did not i don't know why i didn't know of any of those cases i mean you do a lot a big variety of things and i i do try to keep up on um the the stuff that like comes across my email that gets a little press there i will continue to i'll investigate that i will uh continue to try to connect you with people who can offer pro bono work i do know actually a handful of lawyers through my work in podcasting that can do that but i agree with you the funding is very important i continue to support you i always try to give you a big pop when you come on. And then I always, um, I have something that I think it should still be coming out every month. Yeah, uh, and it's, so the, I only do very few things yeah, like my church and you, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, mostly a couple of Patreons. So yes, I'm totally on board. I may want to highlight some of those other cases. If you want to come back for that. Sure. Sure. I, we don't have any like land rights cases right now yet. But it's in our mission statement that that's what we want right. to do. And so we have been looking for plaintiffs, farmers or landowners who, who are being uh, oppressed by the government uh, and who want to file actions. If, if you're one of them, please reach out to us and we'll see how we can maybe create a case. It's not something we've tackled just yet, which is why you haven't heard about it. But it, it's it's been in our mission statement from the very beginning that we want to help landowners and independent farmers in particular, because I think our food supply is under major attack in this yes. country and we want to stand yes. up to those farmers so please if you know any of them send them our way and we'll try to get a case going 
Okay. Fantastic. That's great, great to know. Uh, I know people will respond to this. People can also email me, Monica Perez Show at gmail.com. Uh, Ashley, is there anything else you want to tell people? You, you, you're the one on the front line. You've got your face out there. You've got your name out there. Uh, you know, kudos to you for your courage. What, what, do you, what are your parting yeah, thoughts? Yeah, um, just thank you for having us on. Thank you for hearing the case and for helping to get We the Patriots name out there because it's, you know, through them that this is possible. And it's, you know, it's we have to stand up, right? We have to stand up where we're going to continue to get uh, more and more inundated with um, all of the reasons why I moved away from California. This is the last. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you got to take a stand. That's why I actually just bought a house in California. I was dying to get out, dying to get out. And I had to come to terms with like, this is where there's the, the work is. And I'm going to take the stand. We have a priest who's just like, don't, don't move to Tennessee, like take a stand. So I'm looking for our own property owners associations. I'm, uh, I feel like it's a new chapter. This is time to actually make a difference with lawsuits, with being where like really where the rubber hits the road. Enough talk. I do, I do like to talk, but also action is so important, which is why I really appreciate you. So we, the Patriots USA, org is the place for people to go that that's where people can contact you and i'm also happy to facilitate and after after hours i know it is a holiday you guys can go do your thing but i'll be in touch with you on um continue to reach out for donors and also for people who can do pro bono work so thank thanks so, so much guys ashley brian thank you so much you have been listening to deep dives with monica perez 